The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to turn our full attention to next year's roster build, and then we're going to spend a lot of the show answering listener questions. My name's Landon Cottom, back from a week off in Ireland, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And Landon, how was your week in Ireland? It was absolutely fantastic. It was, yeah, really, really good. It was the first time, I mean, we've been to, we went to Mexico earlier this year, but my wife and I, we generally like to try to get out of the country and uh, at least once a year, if not more than that. And then we've both, of course, lived abroad at various points in our lives. And so it was like a little bit weird being on such a long flight again after not having done that in a long time. But once we got over there, it was, it was awesome. So did you have to, um, when you were there, were you just driving? You didn't have to like fly from place to place. Was the only flight over or how was, Oh, no, yeah, we, yeah, the flight, flight there. And then we did trains and buses and whatnot once we were there. So how very, how very European of you. That's incredible. yeah. Yeah. So, so we didn't do a show last week, so we missed the chance to do our like Thanksgiving, uh, what are you appreciative of, or what do you want to be thankful for, bits about Austin FC. And so as I sit here and look at my Steve Adler eating a hot dog sticker I got <laughs> from Poyo FC, like we talked about this a little bit last week, but I just really appreciate just all the quirky bits of Austin FC fandom that we've gotten to experience. Um like to be a part of and to do with people and to just like take in. And I, you know, I can't, like I was trying to explain this sticker to my wife and she was very confused, but I was like, <laughs> trust me, it's fine. So this, all the people out there that are just a part of the experience overall from like the fighting Leslie's backpipes to Poyo to Paul to the Pringles cult to everybody. Like, I want to say that I think I'm thankful for all of you. And I, and I wanted to know if you had any special moments that you wanted to share too. Uh, yeah, I do. But just to, kind of double up on what you said. I remember a few years back whenever like the whole, like just kind of starting to dive into MLS and like MLS fan culture, just to kind of get an idea of what it even was. And I remember there being uh, that year, um, Atlanta United won MLS cup, an MLS, or sorry, an Atlanta United fan had created this like I don't, I think it was maybe like Super Mario Brothers or something. And they created this little animation that was like Joseph running through and beating up like little mushroom opponents that were wearing the uniform of the other team. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I hope Austin can, can do stuff like half as cool as what the Atlanta fans are doing and what all these other teams fans are doing. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. Right. But what has happened is like far exceeded my expectations and just so much cool, weird, fun stuff has happened just from coming out of just like empowering fans to, to be creative and be like, just have fun with all this stuff. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And, um, yeah, I think what I'm most thankful for is just the, the folks listening to the show. I mean, Going back a couple of years, we were posting on Twitter. If you guys were following on Twitter last week, uh, Jeremiah was posting just kind of like fun interviews we've done over the last couple of years to go back and listen to. Like they're still worth a listen. Um, and looking at that and and kind of thinking back to those shows, we pretty much knew everyone who was listening to it. And 
it's grown to a point now where like we there's way more people listening that we don't know than than that we do and so that's just it's kind of bizarre and kind of uh i don't know it's it's humbling and and yeah we're we're very thankful to everyone everyone who takes time out of their week to listen to us yeah that's awesome i want to echo that and before we get into the real awesome fc news i just want to follow up on an event that we talked about on the last show so uh, soccer assist had their big Aaron gets mad when we, I call it a gala. So they had their sixth <laughs> annual party, not a gala, but a big fun party. Uh, and they raised over a hundred thousand dollars, which is going to allow them to begin construction on their, uh, I think this will be their third, um, soccer specific mini pitch, which is going to be in Bastrop. Um, but it was cool because all, I mean, the striker Texas was there and I helped Roberto out with some interviews. Cause I think Chris was getting over, I think he was getting over COVID. Like he wasn't feeling all that well. Um, but we got to talk to McKenzie and Julian Gaines, interviewed Roma, interviewed Aaron, saw like the whole soccer community out for a really good cause. And it was just, it was cool to see that um, and be a part of that. And also, I guess one other thing in Roma news is on December 9th at 9.30 a.m., uh, Steve Adler at City Hall is going to present to Roma Desai a Distinguished Service Award to honor her as an ambassador of Austin for getting to attend every game. So again, like a really cool part of culture that I had no idea was going to happen. And it's <laughs> awesome that it's going to turn out. So, and y'all are all invited. If you're listening, like come to the, come to city hall on December 9th and cheer on Roma and scare the mayor or whatever. Don't bring the hot dog sticker. Probably. <laughs> I don't think that would go over very well. Yeah. That's amazing. Like I, I kind of hoped like maybe the club would do something and they did in the, at the last home game, right? Like she played the, she did the heartbeat, the, heart, the heartbeat yep. thing at the beginning of the game with, uh, with pre-court. And it's it's amazing to see like the actual city of Austin is is honoring her in that way. So yeah, again, it's amazing. Uh, all right, let's jump into the Austin FC portion of the show. Uh, so John Kolmanich, who was originally on loan from Maribor in Slovenia, has now officially signed a three year contract. So. I guess my first question is, why do we know how long this contract is and not any other contract in the whole league? Yeah, I don't... Yeah, that was a really a question I had. It's a first, for sure, for Austin FC, the first one I've seen announced with a term length, which I think is incredible. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, good good, good for him, good for John, but um, it's an exciting bit of news. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think we all kind of expected this to happen, but it was good to see it uh, become official and, and to know that, yeah, John's locked in. We figured for at least a while, but we know exactly how long, three years, which they announced for some reason. Yeah. And, um, so what do we think that this means for Ben Sweat's future? Like, do you think, do you think that matters that much? Do we, do we pick it up? Do we not pick it up? I mean, I think we had to expect that this was going to happen. Yeah. It's a good question. So yeah, to, to clarify, Ben Sweat has, uh, an option on his contract, meaning Austin can choose to pick him up for another year or they can let him go this year for free. Um, I, I think Ben Sweat is a very useful piece. He's not on super big money. And so I think it would be well worth keeping Ben Sweat around. And, and as, as we saw this year, we're going to need depth. We're going to need people who can play a lot of minutes and it's, it's a long, uh, punishing year MLS is. And so, um, I would love to keep Ben Sweat around. So we'll get into expansion draft here in a, in a little bit. So that's another threat to Ben Sweat. But if as far as Austin FC's deci decision to re-sign him, I think 
they absolutely should keep him regardless of, of Jean's uh, situation because we're going to need more than one guy and Ben Sweat is a perfectly capable guy and I think he would be maybe not thrilled to to not be the number one choice all the time, but he'll still get a lot of minutes most likely. I think you're right. I think there's enough minutes to go around and he's versatile enough that it would that he would he would get in plenty of minutes. And then, uh, you know, in other news, we think, I guess we know now, like little Sebastian Berhalter, his speaking of loans was not extended and he's headed back to Columbus. It's the crew GM and I have this written down and I have no idea how to say his last name. Uh, Tim Bezpachinko. Tim Bezpachinko told the Columbus <laughs> Dispatch. And I've been told that he's been seen practicing with, um, like, back in training in Columbus. So I think that's a done deal, too. So do you feel like that's a loss? Uh, that was one of those ones I was I was kind of on the fence about. I think it depends on what Austin's plan is for replacements in that position because we need at least one more person who can play the six if not two more. And we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But uh, it, I think we saw like we saw some progression from little Sebastian over the, over the season, but he had some pretty rough performances later on in the season as well, that maybe he's not going to be a guy who we can lean on super hard. And, and we need someone that we can lean on in that position. And so if he's not going to be it, then, then yeah, I'm, I'm fine with, with moving on from it. I'm, I'm just hoping they really do fill in those spots at this point, though. Um, but yeah, I, it, I liked him. Seems like a good dude. I'm sad to see him go on on that level. But as far as on field contribution, I yeah, I'm not super upset by it. So uh, we we now the whole little little Sebastian thing comes full circle, right? Like bye bye, little Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, you we are. Can... You are five thousand candles in the wind. <laughs> we can play that tribute. We can play that tribute out. And there are a couple other. <laughs> There's two other contract things that one I think is pretty generally well known that I don't think we've talked about. Uh, and that's Diego. Did somebody was telling us a couple weeks ago that like Diego's dad had confirmed that he had a three year deal here and we shouldn't worry about him being back. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we were told. And then the other thing, the other thing I heard at Soccer Assist is supposedly Stuvers on a three or four year deal and bought a house in oh, South Boston, wow. and people should stop worrying about that. But that was like you know, a rumor from a guy at the bar, but it was like a reliable guy at the bar. So, I mean, he I mean, wasn't have, on the free, he wasn't on the free agent list. So yeah. we know he had at least two, right? So yeah. uh, if it's three or four, even better, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have expected it to be that long, but um, yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah. Guy at the bar says it was four. So look, we can, we can write that down. It's, it's news. And you know All what? Right. If, if we're not right, somebody feel free to correct us. <laughs> Uh, all right. So as I referenced a little bit before, the expansion draft is going to be coming up and that's uh, on December 14th. The protected player list will be out December 13th. And so I think most of you listening to the show will be familiar with the process because Austin FC went through it last season. But essentially, Austin will get to protect 12 players on the roster. Uh, homegrown players are exempt and um generation, generation adidas yep. players are exempt so danny Pereira is generation adidas we don't have to waste a spot on him and owen wolf is homegrown we don't have to waste a spot on him uh, that leaves the re- pretty much the entire roster that we have 12 spots to protect and so chris bills wrote an article on the striker texas 
listing out who he th- he thought Austin FC should and would protect in this. Did looking at that list, did you have any of any that you would change from Chris's list? I do. So let's let's I want to go through the list with like the ones I don't have a problem with first and like save one specific person for the end. Unless okay. maybe <laughs> unless maybe you have more than one that you want to quibble with. I but. I actually don't. Like okay. I, I wouldn't change anything. So I'm I'm interested to hear what you would change. Okay. So there's the designated players, Driusi, Dominguez, Pochettino. I think that makes total sense. Um then there's GTA and Kolmanich. And I don't think there's any way we'd change that. There's Stuver. There's sort of the core of the roster, which is Fagundes Ring, because Romagna, Cascante, and Lima. And I, I don't like in a perfect world, I don't know if Cascante would be on my list, but then looking at who's unprotected, I can't find somebody that I would rather have than him. So my issue is with Rodney Redis. I mean, he's on a yeah. bunch of money. He's not very productive. Um, and I would rather keep John Gallagher than Rodney Redis because Gallagher seems like the kind of player that somebody would pick up in the expansion draft because he's versatile. He shows some production and he just, I don't know. I just can't see anybody taking Rodney's money. So that's, that's the one that I would switch out. I would keep Gallagher and not Redis. How about you? I, I would be very sad to see John Gallagher go, but I think that is, uh, it's a calculated risk. And I think the smarter move is to protect Redis. Um, I've seen, Several people throw throw out the idea of a sunk cost fallacy, and I don't think I don't think it applies in this situation. So, the definition of a sunk cost is it's something that you've already paid for, and that you it can't be recovered in any way. And so, why I don't think it applies here is because Rodney Redes is not a cost that cannot be recovered in any way. He is still an asset to the club, and so because he's still worth any amount of money, really. I think if you leave him unprotected, it's kind of a no-brainer for a club to pick him up. And because he qualifies for U22 initiative, uh, regardless of what he's making, he's only going to count like 200000 against the salary budget. And so a club could pick him up, take a flyer on him for free, and if it doesn't work out, sell him next year for any amount of money, and like we paid, I don't know, one or two million for him, if not more than that. If they can sell him for five hundred thousand, boom, money in the bank. And so I think Rodney Redes gets snatched up real fast if he gets left unprotected. And it's like I think some people would be like, fine, let him go. But I think it's just not a smart way of protecting assets that even if he's not been great. He's still worth some amount of money. I think a sunk cost fallacy is continuing to play him or like start him if he's not playing well. I think that's where the sunk cost fallacy applies. But as far as thinking about players as assets, I think Rodney Redes is worth protecting, even though he hasn't been great on the field. So that's the most MLS of explanations on that. Like the, fact <laughs> that, the fact that what we paid for him doesn't really matter. Okay. Then, then okay. It's fine. I'll buy into that. Then I changed my mind. Then I want to let Cascante go and keep John Gallagher. We we agree to that one. I, I yeah, I, that that one I think is reasonable. Um, I think again, Julio Cascante. We we paid money for him. Uh, I think on that one you could say he's he's at an age now where you probably wouldn't be able to sell him for a ton of money if you did try to move him on. 
And so that one, maybe you could call a sunk cost. Like he is what he is at this point, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think that maybe Gallagher is easier to replace than Cascante is. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that one too much. I, I could see that one being worth, worth swapping. Okay. Well, we'll see what Charlotte does on December 14th. Right. I mean, there's no guarantee they're taking five players from how many teams are in the, or eligible uh, 20, 20, 20 something, 22, right? 23, something like that. So only the five that we took players from will be exempt. So, um, yeah, so 20, 22 teams total will be available to choose from. Um, wh- who are the players on like that will probably be left unprotected that you would be afraid of losing? You already said Gallagher. Who are the other ones? So the other ones are from that list you know i mean ben sweat we just talked about him um i think stroud is an interesting piece out of that and i still believe in ulysses segura and i would really be sad to see him go without ever ever seeing him play a game in an austin uniform and maybe maybe he does play next year and he's like stinks and i'll feel dumb for having this opinion but i i remember when we when we picked him up we watched the that video of him and i was really excited by the potential. And so assuming he can come back, like I think he fills a lot of holes for us too. Yeah. Same. I'd be sad to see Segura go. Uh, I have Jimenez on that list. I think Jimenez is one that we could easily see, um, go in, in a draft like this, just MLS veteran can play several positions. That's the kind of guy that, a that an expansion team would love to have. Um, but yeah, I, I really think Ben sweat and Ulysses Segura would be the ones that I would be the most sad if, if they got taken. So you want to go from the expansion draft onto the 2022 season? Because we also learned a little bit about that. At least oh, we, yeah. we learned like one, one game about that. Um, we learned that the season will open against FC Cincinnati in Austin on February 26th. Um, so that'll be a home match. I think it's at 5 PM. I think they've already announced that too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, that's exciting for us for many reasons like in in what way are you most excited about opening the season against fc cincinnati uh i'm honestly not excited in any way that it's against fc cincinnati i guess like i imagine since he will bring a good crowd down and they seem to be a fun bunch and so i'm excited about that part um but I mean, uh, uh, opening the season with a win at home are you like you are you not allowing yourself to be excited about that or uh, yeah, I just feel like there's more pressure than there is like, <laughs> it's like two of the worst teams in the league in this last year. And I think, feel like people are going to take it as an omen for what's to come for the rest of the season. Like whoever comes out of that, like, I think people are going to read into it a lot. And so I'm honestly like a little bit nervous about that, which maybe is silly, but, um, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen the Wolf Out people digging really into that to say, well, you know, if we lose the first game, then you know we'll know how the season's going to go, and we can just go ahead and you know give up on that. But I mean, I don't believe it. I mean, I'm excited about since I am excited about Cincinnati for the reasons you said. I mean, they're bad and they still have a lot of fans, <laughs> and it seems like a pretty good potential to to win as opposed to making our first match, you know, Atlanta or Nashville or somebody that might be like an interesting narrative, but is a better team. Yeah, so what else do we know about uh, next season so far? So I don't 
think that anything has been set for sure. Uh, we have some expectations. I mean, one thing we know that Nashville is going to move. Nashville is going to move from the west, from the east to the west, because Charlotte will make the twenty eighth team. So we need fourteen in each conference to balance the conferences out. And I finally looked at a map because I thought it seemed weird that Nashville was going to move. But other than Chicago, it's the westernmost team in the east. So it makes complete sense that they would be. Um, we think what will happen is that every Austin will play every Western Conference team twice. That's 26 matches. Then four home games against the East and four road games against the East to make up the 34. Yeah, I, I, I'm I excited about that part of it, for sure. Like, just getting... I don't, like, having a, f- uh, a fixed schedule within the conference, like, everyone's going to be playing the same teams the same amount of time within the conference. And then getting to like a, a wider variety of of Eastern Conference teams to play against, and then a wider variety of cities to visit as well. So I, I'm excited about that part of it. Yeah, and like not um, not playing Dallas, Houston, what Dallas, Houston, San Jose, like random teams three times in a year will yeah. be will be a real upside too. I mean, I guess yeah, that'll be that'll be a good thing overall to do that and have more of a normal schedule and hopefully not have so many. Um, three like three game weeks too will be a positive all right so speaking of uh, these road games on the east we actually have a listener question about that that we're going to get to later on in the show before we do that we're going to take a quick break but uh stay tuned and we'll be right back with all those listener questions Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And also, Landon, did you check your mailbox today? I saw it. Yeah, we got into town back from Ireland on Saturday, and then on Sunday had to drive to Fort Worth to pick up our dog from my parents' house. But I, I haven't opened it yet, but I did see a package that I hoped was the new FVF calendar. Is that what it is, Jeremiah? It is the fourth annual FVF Dogs of uh, Dogs of FVF calendar. Um, and But this year, they actually kind of leaned into the uh, the club thing. And so it's not their own uh, dogs, but are th- these are dogs that are Austin Humane Society dogs that they featured um, in the spot. So it's just kind of getting back to community, as, as we say. Oh, so nice. Just like, Lots of great dogs in that calendar, which I'm, I'm excited to go through. All right. Well, you can go to fbf.law to find out what makes FBF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fbf.law. All right, we are back. Uh, we were looking at kind of the the docket for what we had in store for this week's show and realized that there actually wasn't a lot of news, because I think because of the holiday probably. But So we decided to put out a call for listener questions, and you all did not disappoint. We got a lot of them. So we're going to try to move through these uh, as quickly as we can and get, through as, get to as many of them as we can. We'll start off with uh, more like roster-based questions, and then we'll slowly devolve into some more silly, fun ones as as we go on. But uh, let's go ahead and jump in and uh, see how many of these we can get to, Jeremiah. Yeah, so I'm going to start. I'll ask the first, because uh, I think you have an opinion on this, which is probably one I, I agree with, and it's kind of funny how much we agree a lot <laughs> on so many of these. <laughs> but we have two, um, one for Chris Wellhausen, 
and one from Barton Marks, who's also Cheetos Have No Singular. Uh, they're both about center backs. Uh, Chris says, we know we're going to go big at center back. Do you think they'll look within the league or outside the league? Which would you prefer? Um, and then the other one is basically any rumors on CB. So uh, how do you feel about that? So I want to maybe challenge the first part of Chris's question, which he says, we know we're going to go big on a center back. Do we know we're going to go big on a center back? We all think we should go big on a center back, but I guess... What, is, what does going big mean? To me, going big... Well, I, I guess I can answer both questions together. To me, going big is like finding a TAM center back from within the league. It's like we needed it, especially with Beasler out. Like we need... We needed an upgrade anyhow, and I think we need like a beast. Like we need the Alex Ring of center backs. To me, is what going big yeah. center back is, and that's. But I guess we haven't necessarily heard from Claudio. That's what he thinks he's going to do. But that that's what makes the most sense to me from terms of roster construction. Yeah, I I agree that that's what I want them to do, but I don't know that we know that that's what they're going to do because I think there have been, like. I don't know. I, I could see them just like finding someone that they think is going to be the guy. And maybe it's not a big or proven name, but they believe in them. And we've seen that go well for Austin FC. And we've seen that go really poorly for Austin FC over this first season. So um, I hope they go big, but I'm not entirely convinced that they are like, I'm not super sure they're going to. Uh, to answer the other part of Chris's question, do you think they'll look within the league or outside the league? I think Jeremiah, you hinted that you would prefer them to stay inside the league. And I agree with that. Um, I think we could get a, a more proven quantity. Somebody we know can do well in MLS and potentially for uh better value is at least allocation money wise. So you could either spend like trade some allocation money or uh, get somebody who's, who's on a free or something like that. Um, without having to spend a transfer fee because transfer fee ups their uh, how much they count towards the salary budget and that kind of cuts down on the amount of salary you can spend on that player. So if it's from within the league, I think we could get a, a higher quality player potentially and someone who's proven within the league. To answer Barton Marx's question, any ideas of who, any rumors? We've got no rumors, right? Like we haven't heard anything on the center back front or any front for that matter. Um, it's it's so hard to know who would be a good fit or who's available without knowing contract situations throughout the league. I was looking through uh, just good center backs in MLS and without knowing how much time is left on their contract, um, it's really hard to know what like who would be available. One one name that stuck out was uh, Francisco Calvo from Chicago. Uh, he's really, uh, can be a really good player. He hasn't always been for Chicago, but he's been playing for a pretty bad team. Uh, so, but he's also on like over $900,000 for Chicago. So he would need to take a severe pay cut for that risk to be worth it to me. Um, outside of that, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's so hard to know, but uh, there are enough center backs in the league, enough decent center backs in the league that you'd have to think there's somebody they could get. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think this is like, I think we want to speculate on this and I think we're not that far off from being able to make like educated speculation on it because we're going to have the 
people are going to start announcing who's not being re-signed. We're going to have the expansion list. Like we're going to be able, we're going to have a lot better idea in three weeks about who the realistic options are than than we do right now. But I, but I just think with that position, it's staying within the league and getting a known commodity is so much of a smarter move than overpaying for somebody who may or may not fit in the league. Like I feel like defenders more than anybody else, like you, there's an MLS way of playing and succeeding. Um, and you can like, it's not like finding the Musa Gita of center backs and like hoping that it pays, you know, that it pays off, but uh, that there's, there's just smarter ways to do it. Yeah. And I, I think in a certain back line, you could go for the Musa Gita of center backs, but in Austin FC's situation, not this one, we, no. we need the Matt Beasler of center backs. We need the, the Walker Zimmerman of center backs, someone who is already very good at that position and can step right in and, and be the man. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next question. This one's from Joshua Scoggin, and uh, he says, how would you rank our roster additions uh, heading into the offseason? So uh, he's essentially asking, what are the positions of need? Like, rank your positions of highest need here. So I had number one as center back. Do you do you agree with that I one? I agree with that one, yes. Uh, number two for me is defensive midfield. I would put a... Forward ahead of defensive midfield at this point. Okay, like I would, I would go center forward. Like I, I'm okay with some ring Pereira, Pochettino, and somebody else. Whoever we, the, whoever the new little Sebastian is. Like, I mean, I don't love it, but I'm I'm better at that than rolling with what we have at center forward right now with GT and Houston. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had center forward as number three. The reason I put defensive mid at number two is because we literally like with. Berhalter gone and you could question if he could even play it because Wolf didn't really seem to to trust him there and when he did step in he didn't look great but we really have one player who can play the six at a high level and so I think we either need to bring in someone and this will get into the next question but I we definitely need to bring in at least one if not two players at the six and so that's why I put it there but I could see center forward being there as well um, it kind of seems like at this point that maybe Danny Houston's going to be around next season, which that's the part that made me think like if you have two guys on pretty like decent size money at center forward, I don't know that you can necessarily afford to spend a lot of money on a third guy. And so maybe that third spot is going to be depth, like a younger depth piece that we can spend not very much money on. Yeah, I was ranking that by the most need part and like what Austin FC is going to do. Like Dan, <laughs> Danny Houston does not fill any position for me in terms of need, but I get that he's probably going to be around and maybe he'll be better. Hey, we had good results somehow when he was when he was actually yeah, playing. Better than without better, him, I guess. Better uh, than without him for some reason. Um, And then I, when I put like a 3A here. So if Sweat... Ben Sweat doesn't get his option picked up, or if he gets taken in the expansion draft, we're going to need a fullback. Um, if we do re-sign him, that gives us uh, Kolmanich and Sweat on the left, Lima and Jimenez on the right. Uh, if either Jimenez or or uh, Sweat aren't around next season, we're going to need to fill at least one, if not both of those positions with someone. So I think fullback could potentially be a, a position of need, depending on how those, those uh, the expansion draft and free agency and stuff like that goes. Well, speaking of ring, let's go on to the more discussion on ring at the six versus the eight. 
The defensive collapse seemed to correspond with his move to eight, and maybe Beasler, and I think a lot of it. And this one's from Jack Schick. Oh, yeah, Jack Schick. Sorry. Uh, don't think Pereira is a six. Finally having a ring at six means you only need the one pivot. It can concentrate more on the attack. I feel like this is something we talked about a fair amount, and the answers changed during the year depending on what was going on. But where do you see, you know, a perfect world, where do you play Alex Ring? Yeah, I mean, I think it... <laughs> It could be, this is kind of what I was talking about with defensive mid. I think we need at least one other person that can play the six. I think my perfect world would be someone who can start at the six and you can play ring at the eight. Or you could have, uh, like, if you're playing on the road, going to be a little bit more defensive, you could do a double pivot with both of them kind of flexing back and forth there. Um, I would I would just prefer to have someone who can reliably start at the six and we don't really have to worry about not having coverage at that spot and it, like being able to play a ring like where it's best for that game as opposed to having to make that sacrifice of, okay, if we play him at the eight, we're going to give up three goals. If we play him at the six, we're not going to score any goals. Um, but I could also see it going where, okay, bring in more of a playmaking eight and then just like a backup number six, like the new little Sebastian, essentially. Um, so I could see it going that way as well. But I think I would prefer to have to bring in an out and out six because we have a lot of people who can play the eight already, but nobody who can play nobody else besides Ring who can play the six at a high level. Do you see? We talked about Segura being somebody we would like to see back. You don't think he's an option at the six? I just, he's attacking I, also. I, I see him more as like an eight or a winger. I think probably his best days in DC were on the wing and not necessarily in central midfield. I think he can fill in there, but I don't know that he's going to be the kind of player that we need in that position to, to actually be better than we were last season. All right, let's go on to a question about why we are so bad on the road, which is something we've <laughs> talked about a lot. We talked about it in our Wolf In versus Wolf Out episode, I believe, um, is one of the reasons that that we aren't. Um, yeah, and this one's not from, living up to it. This, uh, da- yeah, Daniel da- B. Nelson. Daniel B. Nelson says, "Like we can beat Sporting at Q two, but it didn't seem we could be competitive on the road for the last half of the season." And I think that's true of what Sporting Portland, like all the like all the playoff teams we beat in Austin, RSL. RSL, yeah, we beat yeah. them at home too. Yeah, beat them at home too. But uh, on the road, we couldn't beat anybody. So what's the deal? So I I came up with a reason. I think it's probably one of several reasons. Uh, I don't know what all of the reasons are, and I'm not saying this is the only reason, but one reason. I think just looking at our roster uh, of all the players who played more than a thousand minutes for us this season, seven of those players had never played in MLS before. And that doesn't include Musa Jite. He, he was only at 600 minutes because he came in so late and then was playing limited minutes for a lot of that. So seven of those guys who played most of our minutes had never played in MLS before. That means most of them had never traveled like that before. Some of them were maybe not used to the physicality of the league. All these things that, it's it's a cliche to say that MLS is a league that you have to get used to and kind of adapt to, but it's true. Like it, we've seen it time and time again over the years that 
players who come into this league and play in it for the first time more times than not have a hard time adapting to it. And so with so many, like leaning on these guys so hard who have never been a part of this league before and injuries cause that, right? Like not having been sweat around, not having Alicia Segura around, not having any of those center forwards around who have been a part of this league. And at the very least know what the travel is going to be like, know what the physicality is going to be like. Um, I think that probably that could have had a really big uh, part in it. Just the travel's rough. Like you get really tired traveling like that and then getting beat up every week. So again, I don't think it's the only reason, but I think it it probably had something to do with it. Yeah, I feel like a really bad and like seemed like we had a lot of midweek games on the road. I don't know that to be true or not, but it seemed like a lot of those or there were road games involved in those three games three games in a week stretches it really amplifies um that effect too because there's nothing i mean there were probably two occurrences i can think of which we can think of like dallas on the road and colorado on the road right where we just were seemed like we were playing not to lose because it was a midweek match and it was kind of a mess but you know overall that doesn't explain the way the whole season went um home versus the road so there's probably something to that and hopefully that's something that we figure out um next year all right, let's move on to a question from Brad Tillery. He he says, name your starting 11 using only members of the supporters community. Please also include their positions on the field and the formation you would run. So uh, <laughs> this one feels a little daunting, A, because it's hard to come up with all of them, but B, I'm terrified I would leave someone out who deserves to be in there. So I just came up with a few people actually looking at it. I came up with kind of like the spine of the team. I'm going to leave the rest of the positions out because I don't want to leave anybody out that should be on there because there's so many people in this supporters community who should be included in this. So uh, just naming a few, I would put Roma Desai. We mentioned earlier in the, in the show, been to every game. So she's up top at center forward, always leading that line. Then I have uh, Katie Ensign and Seth Rao as a double pivot in the central midfield, keeping everything organized. <laughs> They're the ones who who uh, kind of planned a lot of the road trips and made sure that all of that went smoothly and everybody had a good time on those away games. Uh, then I have Rigo Rodriguez as an inspirational center back. I'm thinking like Carlos Puyol. Like uh, just like the real heart and soul of of the team, and then uh, Nathan Booth responded to this question. He actually put out a whole starting eleven, so you can find that on Twitter. But uh, he had Brad Tillery in goal, which was a good shout. Um, I'm actually going to put Carrie Tillery in goal because Brad admitted to us that she was the real brains behind the whole video series that that eventually got the Verity Keeper kit released. So I'm going to put Carrie in goal for getting that, uh, getting that jersey released. I love it. Hey, I want to say goal is probably one of our deepest positions because like somebody who we didn't bring up was, you know, Tony, Tony Cardoni, whose brother is like the oh yeah like four-time best beard in the USL running, like goalkeeper for, um, for the San Antonio club. So I feel like some of that has to have accidentally rubbed off on him too, right? Yeah, you'd think so. Tony, let us know if you can play keeper or not. Yeah, I've, I think T. I think Tony said that the, like I think his sister is a player too. That the that the the uh, athletic talent of the Cardardi family uh, skipped him a little bit, but <laughs> but but who knows? This okay. So the next question is one from this is from John Schultz. I was very excited about because this is a game that we've talked about. Now that working blue, I think we can um, 
if you remember to bleep it, we can we can go with the actual title. <laughs> well, I kind of like the way that John phrased it. Okay, here. we'll do it this way. We're gonna do. Uh, <laughs> so wait, before we do this, I was explaining this question to my wife because I got really excited about it, and Brandy's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about, and I don't know what's wrong with you that you would know it." So like, would Ashley get this if we? Uh, I've. I've talked about this with Ashley before we ever even did it on the show, so she she would know it. Okay, so we're going to play uh, Boof, Mary, Kill among our three <laughs> designated players, and I have a well-formed opinion, so I want yours first. And I think we did this on the show before. No, we didn't. Too. Just We didn't do... We did this game, but we didn't do it among the DPs. Oh, I thought we, we just, did. Maybe we just okay. had different... We had different groups. I don't... Because I tried to kill all the DPs because Chris kept giving me like <laughs> them in combination with other players. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. you kill you killed all three DPs in different rounds. Yes. of it. Yeah, but we did. Yeah, we didn't match them up just together. The DPs. Yeah. Okay, so I I kind of think we're gonna pick the same ones. Who who do you have? Okay, so I'm gonna marry Driusi. Oh, okay, he's, the, he's a total package. Like he's got good style. He's handsome. He's actually good at what he does. I mean he. I just I can't. He's he's everything I wanted him to be in more. So he's definitely my Mary. How about how about you? I mean, I was gonna I was gonna pick Cecilio, but now that you mention it, I I kind of think I would go with Drewsy. Just judging by how he carries himself on the field, I feel like he would be um, he would anticipate my needs and always be there when I needed him to be. Uh, so I, th- I, I think I'm going to go along with you and, and switch it. I was going to pick Cecilio, but no, that, that makes the, the other two tough then. Yeah. I want right, to go with, so who- I want to go with kill first. Cause it's, that's like interesting to me. So, <laughs> okay. Do you, do you want to give your answer now among the other two or do you want me to do this? Uh, for kill, I, I have Pochettino. Ah, why, why, why Pochettino? Um, I mean, he seems like the like personality wise, I think he seems like the least fun of them. And then like physicality wise, I think the other two are better looking gentlemen than he is. Right. So I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to kill Cecilio. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like he's really pretty and really promising, but ultimately always leads to disappointment. And (laughs) I don't need that in my life. And then I'm going to buy Pochettino down and boof someone else. That's how I'm going to answer. <laughs> Those are my three on that. Uh, like, I, thought, I spent all afternoon like coming, coming up with this answer, which is why Brandy asked me what was wrong with me. That's the best answer. You win, Jeremiah. You win. All right. Uh, all right. <laughs> so this one comes from an excellent uh an excellent username, which Kawaisenberg, which is a picture of uh, Kawhi Leonard, I believe. Uh, so he says, wait, which wait, Thanksgiving... It's Kawhi Leonard dressed as uh, Heisenberg from Breaking Bad, Walter White. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It's a beautiful sorry. combination. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he says, which Thanksgiving dish gives you that first goal feeling? And then has included a few images, including... Uh, a man exposing his nipple during the uh, the celebration after the first goal at uh, at Q2 Stadium. So, first of all, Jeremiah, are you are you a Thanksgiving food lover, or are you indifferent about it, like a lot of people are? I'm kind of indifferent. I appreciate the ceremony of it, you know. And there are things that I appreciate the gluttony, like it's you know it's like a general theme. But I don't know if there's like a Thanksgiving dish that makes me excited enough to pull my shirt up and, you know, do whatever. How about you? 
I actually, I, th I feel like I'm in a minority here, but I actually really like Thanksgiving food oh, oh. and I really like turkey as well. I know a lot of people think turkey is overrated. A well-cooked turkey is like one of my favorite meats. So is that going to be your answer? Does, does, well, uh, does it give you that I, first goal feeling? I think I'm going to cheat here because my favorite part of Thanksgiving is all of it together. So if you have like a really good roll, I'll put like a bit of turkey, some stuffing, some uh, some gravy on a roll and have like a little Thanksgiving sandwich. That's my favorite thing. So I think the like a good Thanksgiving sandwich is is the dish that gives me the first goal feeling. And and do you eat that for for like days? Do you have do you have like a, a week's worth of turkey, or do you just kind of experience it on that day and then let it go? No, yeah, we'll we'll do it leftovers. And actually, so last year we. Uh, Ashley and I cooked a big Thanksgiving spread just for ourselves because COVID was really bad at the time and we weren't going to travel anywhere. Um, and we ended up freezing a bunch of leftover turkey that we ended up making into soup during the big the big winter storm while we were trapped in our house. And so having the leftover turkey actually like kind of saved us from eating just like canned beans for a week. Um, and speaking of Thanksgiving food, so we were in Ireland during Thanksgiving and we went to lunch at this like this uh this restaurant and they actually ended up having pecan pie there and so we got to have pecan pie for lunch on thanksgiving day in ireland well i love that and you're going to touch on what my answer would be because i don't eat a lot of dessert um but thanksgiving dessert is beautiful because oh and, yeah and, and the so we have because my wife and i both grew up close to each other so we go to both families houses for thanksgiving and we have two different sets of desserts and I really enjoy eating a little bit of everything for dessert way more than I than I love like the main the main course stuff that I can feel like I can get, but it's like a little bit of pecan pie and a little bit of cheesecake and a little bit some cookies and like whatever else anybody makes, like is my favorite part of Thanksgiving meal. Yeah. Thanksgiving a, does have some strong desserts. And a big fat nap after that, usually. <laughs> uh all right. Next one is coming from Chris Watson. He says, give me your honest thoughts when you see the wave happening at Q2 Stadium. So I'm conflicted on this. Like I had a very strong theoretical opinion that the wave is awful and it, people only do it when they're bored and that everybody should just get on board with what Lamerga is doing and not do the wave and we should never see it again. But about halfway through the season, I took a friend of mine who was a huge baseball fan um, to a game and like people started doing the wave and like the joy in her face to like stand up and do the wave. <laughs> I thought like, who am I to steal these people's joy and why should I gatekeep like people's experience at Q2? Like if they think the wave is fun, then the wave is fun and we should let them do that. So now my wish is that the whole stadium would get so much into what the Murger was doing that they don't think about doing the wave. But if they do, I'm not going to stand in the way of it. I have, I have a similar answer there. So I, I don't like the wave in general. I'm not going to tell anybody not to do it, but um, I would prefer that the stadium would pick up on some other uh, like group activities, such as like uh, if we're passing around a team as we're winning and like kind of passing our way through a team, saying ole to like jeer another team would be a beautiful thing for the stadium to get into or like kind of making fun of the other team. If they like play a pass out of bounds or like shoot a ball way over the bar and just like a big collective, Hey, I want to see more of that in the stadium. And so if we could replace 
the wave with a, uh, a more intimidating group activity, then I would prefer that. Cause I think that would, um, yeah, I think it would improve the overall atmosphere, but yeah, if y'all want to do the wave, do the wave. I don't care. Yeah. Um, the next question is from Adam Houghton who says simply interview Roma. And, uh, I think it's a great idea and something we should probably do. And this is the third time we've talked about her on the show. So <laughs> that's definitely, I think over the next month or so interviewing Roma is something we should get to And Not just Roma maybe, but other, you know, other folks from that help, that help create this supporters environment that should probably be known to more people. We should take some time to talk to. Absolutely. And just like a peek behind the curtain here, um, we would love to have like interviews all the time, but Jeremiah and I both have full-time jobs and lives and families outside of this. And so just like scheduling it between ourselves is difficult enough. And so bringing in a third party into it and then managing that schedule gets really tough. And so a lot of times just like when things get busy, it's just easier just to do the show. There's the two of us. Um, but that doesn't mean like we don't think, people like Roma aren't worth having on the show because she absolutely is. And so, yeah, I agree. We should, we should talk to her and get her on. And I interviewed her on the, uh, well, she got a test on the, uh, it's soccer assist thing, right? I, inter- <laughs> it seems, I interviewed her for that. She did, she did a good job. So she, she would be a good interview. Um, and it was like, cause we haven't, cause like you said, everybody's so busy. Like we haven't spent a lot of time together. So a lot of this was like questions I asked her. I didn't know the answer to, cause it was like the first time I'd heard of like some of these stories about some of those trips and they're really pretty interesting. All right. So the next one comes from Scott Specht. He says, what Eastern Conference away trips would you like to see on the schedule? And I think we kind of like briefly answered this, but I didn't feel like I had time the last time we talked about it to actually like go through and make a list. And so I went through and made a top five. Uh, do you do you have a formal list or you just have some? I'll just I'll just react to your, your I'll just react to your list. I do have some off the top okay. of my head. Yeah. So since I'm just back from an international trip, I uh, am very much excited about doing that again. And so number one on my list is Montreal. Uh, not so much for soccer reasons, but just for travel reasons, because Montreal seems like a really cool city and I've never been there. So I'd like to go there. Uh, number two, again, for just travel reasons, I have New York. Um, I've been to a game at Yankee Stadium. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but I just like visiting New York and haven't been there in a long time. So I have that one. Number two, number three is Atlanta. This one is for both soccer and travel reasons. I think Atlanta seems like a really cool city and uh, kind of a special place in the United States. And so I'd like to see that, but then also going to Mercedes Benz stadium and seeing the the special uh, supporter culture they've created there. I think that would be kind of a bucket list thing to do in, in MLS. Uh, number four, Nashville. They're going to have a brand new stadium next year. And those fans seem really cool and never been to Nashville. So uh, that made the list. Next one uh, is that, again. That, not, that, would, that would be a Western Conference trip next year, by the way. Oh, that's right. We're, we're that's guaranteed right. Nashville, I think. Oh, man. Who, should, who are we going to replace? Maybe you can help me replace them. The next one I have is, again, strictly travel reasons. I have Chicago on there just because Chicago is a cool city. I wouldn't mind visiting again. Yeah, Atlanta's definitely on my list. You know, one that when we talked about this before, I was kind of excited about Philadelphia because it's one of the first soccer specific stadiums, but I watched their playoff game in Chester and I would take them off my list now. I was not very impressed by <laughs> like the stadium or the ch- the chance or anything. So, yeah, maybe not Philadelphia now. Definitely Montreal. Um 
and then oh man you know the other like I'm, i'll just go with the city that i love that i've only been to once that i want to see again and the team's really good and that would be new england because like i would love to stay in boston i'd love to stay in boston and use transit to get to foxborough because like that's a, i think it's just like one of the great american cities that I would love the chance to check out again yeah i would i would like to visit boston but i would i don't know that there's any way i'd get excited to go out to the nfl stadium to watch a game <laughs> Yeah, those are the worst. And that's like what's made the um you know, the playoffs so weird is so many of the teams that are good are also playing in NFL stadiums too. You know, another one, we just talked about them, but I mean think Cincinnati. It's a fun town. It's right by Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's there's like we could go on a bourbon trip. It's a great brand new stadium. They got a they've got a great fan base. Like I think it's I mean, they're you wouldn't be going to see beautiful soccer watching Austin FC play Cincinnati, but that would be it's what probably one we're not going to get since they're coming here, but I think that would be a great right, trip too. Yeah, yeah, maybe the next season, but yeah, that's that's a good one. I, I think for yeah more soccer reasons, right? That stadium looks amazing, and the fans seem great too. So that one would be fun. All right, next one is from Jorge. Uh, he asks, "Any idea when the new away kit will be announced slash released? Have you seen it? What style do you like in a kit?" So let's start with the second two questions. So have you seen it? No, I have not seen it. Jeremiah, have you seen it? I have not seen it either, and I haven't even heard rumors of people who have seen it at this point. I haven't either. Yeah, I I imagine there are people who have seen it, and I imagine those people have signed NDAs and aren't allowed to tell you that they've seen it. So um, as far as what style do you like in a kit? Do you have like a specific kind of kit that you tend to like? I don't. I think the kits I like are not going to be possible in MLS because I like kits that are different in any way that they could be different you know i don't have a real strong preference for any kind of particular style um i just kind of hate having everybody having the exact same white kit with three stripes on the shoulder yeah Yeah, i honestly like the kind of kit i do like like kind of simple kits uh but it kind of takes away from it i like them being simple because i think they're distinctive so like when liverpool wears all red or chelsea wears all blue i think that looks cool but if every team in the league has the same jersey, then it kind of takes away from that. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right that the Adidas templates kind of steal some of the stuff that I actually like in a kit. Um, I also I like some of the like kind of the like Philadelphia's third kit is like a little bit off the wall. And I think there's a lot of stuff that like tries to be like out there that a lot of people do tend to like that I usually end up kind of hating I actually don't like a lot of modern soccer kits like European ones that a lot of people do like. Um, but that Philadelphia one was cool. It's like a little bit weird, but not it's like weird in a way that's not like popular right now. And well, so I kind of dug that one. Yeah, I mean it's a little bit subtle. It's like the uh it's like the Los Verdes uh like kit, right? Like it's got there's design in there, but it's not like it doesn't overwhelm it's not like in the your overall face. look. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not over the top, which is one thing I love about that though, about that, you know, fan kit too. And I think that's a good point. So, going back to the first question, any idea of when the new kit will be released? So, I, we mentioned this on the last show, and I kind of assumed it would be soon because that first kit came out in November in time for the holiday season. Uh, people buying it for for Christmas gifts and whatnot. And so I kind of assumed that would be the case this time. But looking back over the last few years, a lot of these kits are getting re- revealed in 
January, Feb, like a lot of them in February and some of them as late as March with the season starting in March or April. Um, so it could be later, but I mean, with the season starting in February, you'd have to think it's going to be January at the latest, right? Yeah, you would think so. But I think to your point, you you, you would think that people want to like take advantage of the holiday buying spree and you know, get it out before the Christmas season, but I guess, I guess not. So yeah, probably January. We'll see what it's going to look like. All right. Uh, next one is from Sean Collins. He asks who will score the second goal for Austin FC next year after Danny Hooson gets the first one. <laughs> so who's your pick for a second goal? Oh, that's Drew Yusey, Sebastian Drew Yusey. I'll And I'll pick him for the first and second goal. I don't think it's coming. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think either one of them is coming from Danny Hooson. I'm going to go with with our guy Diego. Diego is going to get the first one. Diego hitting that first one at home would be would be pretty great. You know, he got that first one in front of uh everybody on the road in Denver that got folks all excited, but yeah, for him to pick up the first goal at home next year would be amazing. Um how about Scott Specht? Uh if Austin is able to open up another designated player slot slot, which we think they are able to, who would be a realistic player you'd want to see them try to sign? Uh, this is, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the center backs. Like, so because if we did open up that third DP slot, there would be some stipulations on it, right? Like they either have to be a young designated player or they need to make their, like their salary budget charge would need to be less than around $1.6 million. And so it's not going to be just like a, a really big name, therefore making it really difficult to know who it would actually be. And so I have no clue who they would do it. I would like to see them do this. And as you, as you uh, made clear in your Mary Booth kill picks, that you would like to see that happen. But uh, any ideas or like any even profiles of who you would like to see that that spot used on? I still I still think we need that in attack. I mean, I guess I would say fine, like scour the world for center forwards who fit that spot. And I think you know when we we, we talked about where we would prioritize players that was sort of my next choice so that's that's what i would like i would like to see them go there i mean i don't know if i saw enough out of musa gta where i'm like oh that guy that guy's settled and we don't need to pursue another option there so that that's where i would go with that pick in terms of position and i don't know where i don't know who that person is yeah i would be happy with it being as a striker um honestly like what would you so i know we talked about this at times last season now, like knowing what this team looks like and knowing where the holes are, would you be okay using a spot like as, like for a number six or for a center back? I would rather do that than I would do it in like midfield. I think we have so many midfielders and wingers, right? And if we talked about, it, everybody's flexible. Everybody can play in the midfield. Everybody can play on the wing. Take keep all the guys and and you know and add Segura into the mix and still be in the same place. So. Yeah, I mean, I would be okay with that. I just, from history, don't seem like there's a ton of successful DP center backs or defensive mids, but if that's what the need is, maybe you do that. Yeah, I mean, if it were like our like marquee DP, I don't know that I would want it to be in those positions, but because it's it needs to be like a slightly cheaper DP, if that's what it takes to get like that guy in that's going to, you know, is going to step in and do the job. I would use that spot on him for sure because it's it's what we need most right now. Yeah. Let's okay. So we we relived the past last week for a bit. So 
I like this question from Adam Houghton. Um, if we could redo last year's expansion draft based on 2021 performance, who should we have drafted? And I see your list, and I agree with two, and I have two other people I want to suggest. So why don't you go through your list? Okay, so yeah, I, I looked through the press release from MLS listing all the players who were available in the expansion draft. And so uh, some of the names that stuck out were from CJ Sapong. <laughs> he was a free agent, uh, so we wouldn't necessarily have needed to take him, but so was uh, Danny Houston. He was yep. going to be a free agent as well. So uh, we could have taken CJ Sapong. He ended up scoring 12 goals for Nashville this year. Uh, he did pretty well for them. Maxi Uruti was available to be taken. Um, Montreal ended up trading him to Houston for Kiki Struna and a second round super draft pick. And Maxi Ruti, even though Houston was not good, Maxi Ruti was actually pretty, pretty good this year. Um, another one, Kamal Miller, who we did take, maybe we should have taken him and just not traded him because looking at defensive options that were available, he was one of the better ones that was available and we got rid of him. Um, and Kosi Tafari, who plays for Dallas, he ended up playing quite a few minutes for them. He's he's only 24 years old and wasn't always amazing, but showed some some really like bright flashes. And he's only on, I think, $67,000 a year right now. So uh, he could have been a good just kind of gamble to take on a young center back. And then I think the one that I'm most excited about now, and this one is definitely like hindsight 2020, kind of pick because I don't know that Red Bull even valued him very high, but Sean Nealis, he's a big 24-year-old center back. He ended up filling in for Aaron Long after Long got injured, and they actually he, they left him unprotected, and then this season he earned a, a new three-year contract extension. And so um, he's, again, like I don't think he's like amazing, but he did well enough in to fill in for Long and, and get uh, Red Bulls into the playoffs. And so uh, that could have been another just young center back, kind of an, an appreciating asset that we could have gotten for free. Yeah, Red Bull's interesting because we did take somebody from Red Bull, right? We got Jared Stroud. So if you do that, you don't get Stroud, which I think would probably be okay. But we also did the, uh, when we did the show about who he would take and the article about who he would take, there were two different, there were two Red Bull players that came up and Stroud, neither Stroud, uh, yeah, wasn't one of them. It was Amro Tarek, who I think Haig and I were very excited about, who I went back and looked because I wanted to prove myself right, who would not have been very productive this year. And then uh, we were all excited about Ryan Mira, too. And then what was the key? Who was the other keeper that everybody wanted us um, to take? Diop, Clement Diop. Yeah. From Montreal was the other keeper. And clearly not taking a keeper in that. Well, we did take a keeper in the expansion draft, Brady Scott, which was a mistake, but. um. You know, yeah, clearly that was not a need given that we added um, Stuver and Tarbell, right? Yeah, in in hindsight, um, I don't know that Stuver had been signed yet, but it's clear that like they were already in talks with him. They, yeah, they had plans, right? And so it seems like they already kind of had their keeper spots lined up, and so they took Brady Scott. Was he an expansion draft pick? Yeah, he was an expansion draft pick, right? So he was like a pick for the future, I guess. Yeah, from um, which maybe you could yeah. argue they should have taken a spot that they actually needed to play on the field. But uh, yeah, in hindsight, I kind of see why they didn't pick a starting keeper because they thought they already had those lined up. Were Stuver's parents already following you on Twitter at this point in time? 
Uh, his wife was following. Oh, his me wife on was already following you on Twitter and okay. interacting with a lot of Austin okay. FC stuff. So yeah, so the one one other player, I agree on a uh, Sapong and Miller, and hey, America's greatest treasure. Uh, you're gonna say Breck Shea? Breck Shea was out there, <laughs> and he scored four goals this year. I mean, he was yeah. like he was available. There's nothing wrong with adding Breck Shea to this team. Would would he have been I, better? Would he have been better in attack than what we had? Are you arguing against that? Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining Breck Shea in a practice with Josh Wolf. <laughs> well, that might not have gone. <laughs> and yeah, so I was there. There was that. And the other thing I was struck by was especially looking at. Well, that was Inter Miami's list, but you know there are a lot of guys that were big names that were made available. Well, I was thinking back on who we would make available in our expansion draft this year, like. Uh, they had Federico Higuain, they had Breck Shea, they had Will Trapp, they had Luis Robles, they had Juan Agudelo. Like, there were a lot of Miami guys who were available that were on big money that they just exposed to because they knew that they probably wouldn't get taken. And, yeah, older you know, guys who are yeah, on like pretty guys. big money. And I wonder if that was a little bit instructive to what we might do this year, um, you know, in Austin. But yeah, I would I would add a Breck Shea. I guess that that's that's what I wanted this to be. Like I always make fun of it and there's like this, you know, everybody <laughs> wants to, but he would have been better than what we had this year in attack. Yeah, I mean if he scored more goals than most people on our team, so I can't argue with that part of it. <laughs> uh there's one we kind of skipped over that I thought would be uh fun to answer. So Brandon Farmahini asked, uh what world clubs would be most surreal to see Austin FC take on in the club world cup. So if uh, the winner of CONCACAF champions league goes on to play in the club world cup, along with the winners of uh, the UEFA champions leagues and all the, the confederations champions leagues, essentially. So, but we're going to stick to the team? UEFA, right? I mean, I feel like that's gotta be the answer. Somebody. Yeah. Probably. I mean, you, you could, I could see like a, a fan of South American football having, having an Argentinian or a Brazilian team, maybe that they would like to see him play against, but uh, who who would your pick be? So the most surreal team for Austin FC to play? I feel like it would have to be... I mean, Liverpool is the easy answer, right? Because like... I figured, yeah, I figured you're going to take That's Liverpool. my favorite team. That's right. That's why I'm not going to because it's such, it's such an easy answer. It would be so weird because my kids don't understand like soccer, you know, and the way it works. And so like, when are we playing Liverpool, daddy? I'm like, never, <laughs> never playing Liverpool. Um... Yeah, I'll go with that. I was, I was thinking that or Real Madrid, which just seems like Real Madrid, who's like the club with the least limited ass, you know, like they could buy anybody anytime for whatever. Like to see them on the field with like a little MLS club who's salary cap bound and not, you know, not spending at the top of the league, I think would be super wild. Yeah, I think Real Madrid would be a good shout. Um, in the vein of Liverpool, like your your other team, I don't really have a European team at this point, but my first love was FC Barcelona. And uh, I think that would be the most fun for me to see Austin FC play against uh, FC Barcelona, which is like the team that like I first really started watching and kind of learned about soccer watching the, the 2010 FC Barcelona team. And so I think that would be that would be my pick. Yeah. And, and I mean, some of it would just be individual players. Like imagine... He's not in Barcelona anymore, but like Messi or Ronaldo or Mo Salah, like on the field against Austin and what that might look like. It seems kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that's a better way to look at it. It's like, who who would you be 
who would you be most excited to see play? Jean Kolmanich versus Mo Salah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that would go really well for us. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's all the questions. Is there anything else we need to cover before we wrap up? No, I think we hit them. I really appreciate everybody that sent questions. Like I didn't, I never know what to expect when we get questions. And I feel like this is a really fun set of questions. So hopefully everybody enjoyed that and we'll send, you know, send more in the future when we do these because they, they help make the show the, a better overall. Absolutely. Uh, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It uh, helps helps us find new listeners and expose the show to more people. Uh, if you want to continue the, the conversation and tell us why our answer to your question was wrong, you can find us on Twitter at LVHero87 and uh, at JBentley underscore ATX. And then also on Instagram at Moon Tower Soccer. And then there's uh, always the contact page on our website, moontowersoccer.com. You can send us an email there. Uh, also, we'd like to encourage you to visit the Striker Texas website where you can find uh, Chris Bills' article that we referenced earlier where he kind of picks who he would protect in the expansion draft. Is there any other articles folks to check out, Jeremiah? Yeah, Chris wrote another article this last week too about five things Austin FC should be, Austin FC fans should be thankful for. Um, and it's a good one because it leads with my future husband, Sebastian Driussi. Um, and it's followed by Lamarger Day Austin, and then there's three other things. So I would uh, be sure to check that out. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Uh, not quite sure what news we're going to have to share with you then. Hopefully, it's some. But uh, until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Muchas gracias. Bye, bye.